0: She saw him leave that morning, but he didn't come back that afternoon. He didn't show up that night. Nobody
1: heard from him. The teen's body was found in a rolled up gym mat in a high school in 2013. His death rolled accidental.
0: Say my name and remember what you've done. Your hurricane has blackened out the sun. You can't continue to kill unarmed black people and get away with it.
2: But if Kendrick did die of an accident, how, with all that distrust, how could you even ever show that? But then on the flip side is they didn't treat it like it, it could have been a homicide. Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Park announced officials were reopening the investigation. only angle is to find justice for my son you are currently listening to season three of ashes dash tv the investigation of kendrick johnson episode 13 substantial response nick and i are in the car heading to the sheriff's office it's we're finally getting to interview sheriff Polk. i have to admit like the first time i interviewed him i had a lot more anxiety because i was a little nervous last time i don't think i could really take in what he's saying and that's a really bad way to do an interview because I get my questions from what someone's saying to me and if I'm not listening sometimes I miss those questions and when I went back and listened to the audio I kind of thought wow I should have asked that I should have asked that but also he had been really clear that he couldn't talk about the details of the case I was trying to be respectful of that that too. This time although I don't he probably can't talk about everything still. At least I think he can be a little more free with how he talks because the case is closed again. And that was one of his things last time, why he couldn't do it because it was open. I can Since, understand that. Yeah. So I don't know 100% how liberal he'll be able to be about chatting, but it does sound like it's going to be a more casual conversation.
1: What are you looking to get out of this line of questioning.
2: Kind of want to dig in a little bit. Maybe just explain to the public why not just in a broad statement like you pay a guy to do something, what do you expect? But maybe instead give us the reasons why you feel like their information's not accurate. So there's a few people. I just want to see if he can respond to us. How they knew Dalton Chauncey's when he went to the police and said that he overheard three people. How did they know that that was a false confession? How do cops to find if something's a false confession. Dalton Chauncey went to jail for it. And then Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez didn't go to jail for his coming forward to the cop, his statement, but he did go to jail for something else and then he was held without bond. So I kind of want to know, because it kind of feels like any evidence the Johnsons bring in isn't held with any sort of thought to actually investigate. Yeah, it it isn't given any
1: consideration it feels, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's yeah, dismissed right. unilaterally.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and what's interesting is I spoke to the anonymous source that we've been working with who was involved in the scene and that person is claiming that from moment one when Dr. Anderson's findings were coming in, they were already, everyone at the police force, how this person describes it, had decided that that was not something that they would take seriously or take a look at. So from the very from right out the bat, yeah. of the gates there was a very cavalier attitude about dr anderson's findings i cannot understand it back then when in the moment of the second third autopsy if i was the medical examiner or the sheriff i think i would really want to look at that not not because we're saying we're pointing fingers someone's wrong someone' do their job but yeah. let's take a look why can't we build off mary and gaffney kraft's autopsy is that not something that you can do
1: That's a great question.
2: Why do we have to be on other sides? You know, that's one reason I want to talk to Mary Ann because would she say, oh yeah, we didn't test those parts. So yeah, Dr. Anderson might be right. I never saw those parts though because in a normal autopsy, you don't dissect if you don't see whatever. I don't know. I don't want to put words in one's mouth, but whatever it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and you don't know because you're not a medical examiner and we're looking to these experts to help clear the air essentially proving to be a bit difficult it seems
2: I genuinely like I'm not saying Marianne did anything wrong is what I'm saying is I would like her to look at it dr. Andersons and just say if she believes that those could be viable or if she's like absolutely not I checked those areas and he's wrong and he's lying and here's the photos that show I checked the neck or whatever because you know that might be her experience too I have no idea
1: so you're looking for a comment on that to have it go one way or the other, not have it be a question, essentially.
2: Right. They, and I think the audience is amazing. They send me all these medical journals and stuff like that, which is so helpful. Yeah. But is what I would love if anyone has a forensics pathologist that can explain it to me who's neutral. I don't want someone who feels like their sides. I want someone who will look at the facts and tell me what their thinking is on it and just see if it aligns with Dr. Anderson's.
1: I hope that happens.
2: Yeah, I think it will. We've already made some strides on some people. And then I also want to talk to him about the reward. What does he hope to gain? He seems like a very direct guy. I feel like if he did it to kind of prove to the world that nobody murdered Kendrick Johnson in some weird way, and I'm not even saying that proves it, in his mind proves it, if that's what he did. Why? I'm assuming it was to say no one murdered him and prove it.
1: I I guess so. To me, it just feels weird. That aspect just feels like he should not have done that.
2: There should have been a moral high ground taken. And I know that's horrible if people are calling you a liar and telling you your information is wrong. But as a sheriff, I feel like you always have to just take the higher ground. I think it would have been better to just sympathize say I sympathize with the family, but these are the results we're finding and I have to say what I'm finding and what I believe to be true. You know, that would, to me, still sucks for the Johnsons, but it's a lot better than. Yeah. Just pull in one of these spots right on the right. It's oh, okay. the yeah. first one you can, because we'll go in that door. Gotcha. But we'll that go, door, gotcha. Yeah. But we'll go in and make sure that I have that. The rich, rich one. Once we pull up at the sheriff's office, we hop out of the car. <laughs> Are you comfortable telling people why you're able to offer $500,000?
0: Well, it's not because of what I get paid here. And most this salary here goes to a tithe. It's not government money or anything else, but I've been very blessed in my life. I have other, I started an electrical contracting firm, which my son owns now, one of my sons, and and we have a farming operation another son owns, but I started both those companies and I was very blessed on them. And I had other sources of income. So I started with nothing in my life and it's, People ask me why I do this job. I do it because I love this county. I love these people. And this job, you can change a life in a second, for good or bad. I'm here to make this county better. It's a very powerful position of Sheriff in Georgia, a sheriff anywhere is. and I want to give back here. That's the only reason I do it. I have no other motive other than to help the county. I don't care what race you are, what, whether you're rich or poor or what. That's what I've dedicated the rest of my life to. I'm yeah. in mean, my 22nd year of doing it. You're sitting in an office where the door never locked, never closed. I don't take appointments. Anybody in this county, my cell phone's on my business card. If you don't have my cell phone, you must not live here. Mm-hmm. So, but that's why I take on something like this. I mean, I'd not take this on.
2: Absolutely. But I took
0: it on because a lot of people wanted me to. Mm-hmm. Plus, I wanted to also.
2: One thing I think is interesting is your longevity here. And then also you don't have to be a sheriff. You could be sitting on a beach somewhere with your feet up. But then also it seems like you've even personally given to the sheriff department with like some of the vehicles and stuff like that. So it seems like you even care about like the upkeep of the sheriff's department itself. Is that accurate?
0: I've always bought my own vehicle because I don't want a conflict if I go to one of my son's companies or carry my wife somewhere. I'm that conscientious about any kind of conflict. I am very strong in ethics. In fact, when I was president of Georgia Sheriff's We rewrote the book on ethics, on how how we police ourselves. I mean, I think a sheriff, there's no room for any doubt, and there are some of us that have gone to prison, Mm -hmm. and we should have, because we should be held to a higher standard, all law enforcement should be.
2: So one thing I thought was interesting is it never seemed like you guys took what Dr. Anderson was saying with any weight, who did the, the gentleman did the second and third autopsies, why did you feel confident not taking anything he was saying into account?
0: Well, first of all, the person that did it, the GBI I have a lot of confidence in. I have a lot of confidence in the GBI. Okay. And they have no reason to do anything but tell the truth and do the autopsies. I mean, they don't have anything to gain or, win or lose by doing anything wrong. I know the pathologist, the person that did it. If you have a situation and you already know what somebody said the outcome is, if somebody gives you money to look at that, and you're getting paid to do it, what's the probability you're gonna come up with a different opinion? What is the problem? I'm not saying Dr. Anderson did that, but also, it's, it's kinda of interesting, these files, there was an article out of the Orlando paper where Dr. Anderson worked, I believe, for the Orange County Coroner's Office, where Dr. Anderson was, I believe he was terminated, and they said he was not truthful in some of the things he had done on some other autopsy. So I'm not saying that he did something wrong with this one, but that, that makes one wonder what the, credibility is and why would the FBI and the Department of Justice have that in their file too? It's wow. a, it was in the, in the old line of paper, but I mean, there was another article in there too um, where actually one of his supervisors made the comment that he lied. That's not me saying that. That was in the, in the article.
2: The, the Sashi Gore? Is that who you're uh, I believe so. I believe okay. that's right. And had you ever looked at Sashi Gore's past to see if he had been a quality medical examiner? I did not. I did some research on him, and at some point it was suggested that he shouldn't even be allowed to perform autopsies. He was also caught lying about having a master's degree in toxicology and forensics pathology um, in a court case.
0: Kind what of is wild. the birds of a feather fly together?
2: Back to the car, me and Nick discuss. Leaving Valdosta finally, and met with Sheriff Polk
1: we did a great session how did you feel about it
2: it's hard the one thing I don't like is how flippant he is about Dr. Anderson
1: right and we came into this thinking we'd get him to kind of explain himself on that and how he arrived right right and then you asked him about it you asked him about gore yeah and did you know about gore right yep and his answer was what did you say two
2: birds of a feather birds of a feather flock together It really frustrates me that Polk is so dismissive of this issue. To even suggest that Gore and Anderson are somehow birds of a feather, so somehow alike or in kind, I think is insulting both to their education and their professional backgrounds. Obviously, Gore and Anderson don't seem to have a close relationship by any means. They don't seem to favor one another at all. But I think when you come to those scenarios, you should really look at the two people and see who carries a little bit more validity or what people say about both of them. So then you can understand maybe where the root cause of the problem is or if there's just one person causing the problem. I think it's just really unfair to lump the two together without doing some research on who they both are. And also, I'm not saying Dr. Anderson is correct here. Is What I'm saying is that I think it's pretty short-sighted that Sheriff Polk would not look at all the evidence when that's what he was tasked with when he agreed to open this case back up. I do not believe that that is a very fair reaction to why we shouldn't take Dr. Anderson's findings seriously and try to find out if they do compute and fit with the things that have already been said or if it's something different, and if it is different, why? To continue our conversation with the sheriff, I ask... You just trusted what the G.B was saying and you felt that that was kind of the direction to go in. Yeah. Did you guys even look at any of the information that Dr. Anderson had said over photos or his report? We, we
0: did. Of course, you know, his first autopsy was done, what, approximately two years after the body had been embalmed and, mm-hmm. and buried. And then I think he did a second where he amended it and said there was damage to the thorax, I believe he said. And that was done five years after the body had been embalmed and, and buried. So I don't know how accurate that could be. I mean, I'm not a pathologist, I'm not not in that field.
2: So really I've had a lot of respect for Sheriff Polk throughout this, even though obviously I've been a little bit hard on him. And the reason for that is he's always given me the time of day and he's always willing to sit down and talk to me about this case. I think the parts that I have a hard time when it comes to Sheriff Polk is his dismissiveness of some issues and his unwillingness to kind of look at information or to process that information in a way that I think is appropriate. I just want to remind everyone to subscribe if you can. If you can subscribe, you do get to see episodes early, discounted merchandise. You get to be part of our private Facebook subscriber group. But kind of more than anything, we can have open discussions about this case, and you'll be able to have additional access to the crew and to ask your questions. So please understand that all the money goes right back into us helping solve these cases. We do not make any money off of this series. So any money that is given to us goes back into travel, getting documents, lawyers, whatever we need to try to help these cases putting billboards up so people know about the deceased and so that they can follow along. The more people who see this show, the more tips that we get in and the better information that we have, or the more people that we have come forward who can help us, which you can do through the website, ashes toashtv.com, ashtvcom A-S-H-E-S-T-O-A-S-H-T-V.com. If you can't subscribe though, no worries. We keep the show for free so that people can watch and get in tips. And if you do want to help out because you like the work we do, please just share the content. It really helps us if you help share it because the more people who see it, the better chance we have of solving these. So if you just have one person you can share this with, or maybe just throw it up on your Facebook, I would greatly appreciate that. Just share the link and let people know about our show. And thanks for watching. Back to the show. One thing that I've had issues with time and time again on this case, which I really haven't experienced on other cases, is nobody seems to want to actually look at the evidence and explain it to me. Everybody wants to skirt the question, and this goes for people on both sides of this issue, and that's a really frustrating place for me to be. This became even further apparent after the Finding Kendrick Johnson documentary came out. There's a scene in that documentary that just does not sit right with me, and I really wanted to ask some questions about that. Jason Pollock puts up a set of images that shows KJ and Brian Bell in a corridor together earlier that day prior to KJ going missing. In the car with Nick, I explained to him. From what I can tell from the documentary, it looked like the FBI had put a timeline of the cameras out and they had redacted quite a bit of the footage. That documentary seems to have gotten a copy of the unredacted photos, images that are in that lineup, and that's one of them. But they treat it like it's the smoking gun that proves the case, is how I interpret it. Obviously, they said allegedly, they say we may never know what happened to Kendrick Johnson, but they make it sound very damning, and if somebody's watching it without being able to use, And I, for bullshit, I think might be like, oh my God, they figured it out. When it doesn't prove that Brian should have remembered he walked by Kendrick Johnson. It just proved at some point they were going to the same school together.
1: Exactly. That's where I'm at with that. That does not prove anything.
2: They really focus in on one frame where you can see KJ and who they claim is Brian Bell in a corridor together. And then they go on to show Brian Bell's statement in the media about him saying he never saw KJ earlier that day.
1: Did you see Kendrick that day?
2: No. I did not. I first tried to reach out to Jason, the director of Finding Kendrick Johnson on Instagram, and he did not respond. I also wanted to ask when I sat down with Sheriff Polk about this image and to see what he thought of it. The issue I'm having personally with this image is if that is Brian Bell, It does show the two of them in the corridor together. So there's no questioning that if it is Brian Bell. My question here though, is they don't seem to be interacting. They don't seem to be talking. They don't seem to have just been interacting. It seems like they're both just like ships passing in the night there. So Brian Bell is walking kind of on a straightforward trajectory and Kendrick Johnson's walking as if he's headed to the right. But they appear to be standing, I'm gonna guess, about five feet apart. So I'm not really sure what this means as far as the two of them are in the corridor together. And now also I'm not trying to excuse Brian Bell's statement here as he didn't interact with KJ that morning, but I think we have to be really fair when we're looking at this type of evidence and really say what it's actually telling us rather than making up our own storylines about it. So after getting no response from Jason, the director of Finding Kendrick Johnson, I sat down with Sheriff Polk and asked him about the image. I felt like I was met with defiance instead of an actual explanation of what the image meant.
0: Some people have maintained that they saw them in the hall 10 feet apart, didn't happen. Mm-hmm. If they can sh- show me that picture and that date and that time, I'd like to see it.
2: Yeah, they do, they have it in the documentary. I can send you the little They, clip. Might, they might
0: have it, you know, a month before. Oh,
2: so you just don't I think I guarantee it's there's not time
0: stamp on it. I haven't seen the documentary, don't care to. I, yeah. I haven't seen Ch- Chainsaw Massacre either.
2: When Paul gives me an answer like this, it's really maddening, because on one end he's saying, I want to look at all the evidence, I'm willing to look at all the evidence, show me anything you've got. But then when I try to show him a piece of evidence, he literally denies the fact that it even exists. He further goes on to say he hasn't watched the film which i don't really care if he watched the film or not but if the film uncovered a piece of evidence that might be important to this case why would he not take a look at that i don't understand the unwillingness to take a look at this image and tell me if it's real or not so either Polk has some sort of factual knowledge that brian and kj were never in the hall together at all and he just knows this for a fact and he just can't explain to us why he knows this or He's saying that the director of Finding Kendrick Johnson has somehow fabricated this image, which that doesn't seem very likely. The documentarian is saying they got these images from the FBI. Initially, they had been redacted. He somehow got an unredacted copy, and that's what he's showcasing. According to this director, he's actually showcasing the FBI's information. I just have a really hard time believing that what we're being shown there isn't accurate information. And because of this, if it was in the FBI's files, that means Sheriff Polk would have already had this information. So either that means that he didn't go through the 17 boxes as carefully as he should have, or it wasn't in the boxes of evidence. So again, it could be fabricated. For Sheriff Polk to just kind of deny that that's real is really highly concerning to me. So we really can't fix what we refuse to acknowledge. And I kind of feel like that's what Sheriff Polk is doing here is he's refusing to even acknowledge that this image exists. But also I'm going to take this one step further. What is this image actually telling us? Two boys in a corridor together that don't appear to be interacting. I just think it's a really far stretch to say Brian Bell is lying because you see these two boys who don't even really seem to be walking in the same direction about five feet apart from each other. I think it's really brazen then to suggest that he's a liar because he doesn't say that he saw him earlier in the day. And maybe everybody else has a much better memory than me. But if I walk by uh, 3,000 people, give or take all throughout the day, and then someone was like, did you see so-and-so today? Sure, there's a chance I might remember seeing them, but there's also a chance I might not remember seeing them. So it would be way different if I had had a talk with them or sat down to lunch with them or had some sort of further interaction with them. That would be a lot different. But if the documentary Finding Kendrick Johnson is saying they're smoking gun is that they have this image of Brian Bell and KJ in the hallway at the same time, that's a really loose statement because they're not even interacting with each other. It doesn't even seem like they are acknowledging that the other one is walking five feet away from the other one. So I think I'd need to see more images on this to really conclusively say that Brian Bell was a liar. But with that information, I think that's a ridiculous statement. And because I'm sometimes a dog with a bone, I just really couldn't let go of the fact that Sheriff Polk would not look at this image. So I tried again. I called him up. I left a voicemail asking if I could have his email address and that I would send him the image. He phoned me back really quickly, like he always does, and basically told me there's no chance that that image is real. I really, more than anything, wanted him to acknowledge the fact that this image exists. You can say that the image is fabricated or you can say that it's real, but you can't just say it doesn't exist. It exists and they're showing it in the film. So what does that mean? Either somebody is lying or somebody didn't do their job to the full effectiveness of their job. For Sheriff Polk to say he knows for a fact that they were never in the same place in the school at all that day is a very broad statement when a documentarian is saying, look, I have a picture of them being in the same place that day, and if you believe that the surveillance footage is accurate of the two boys, well, that also plays into the fact that they literally traced Ryan Hall, Brian Bell, Brandon Bell, and Kendrick Johnson's movements all throughout the day, the FBI made an entire map of their activities throughout the day. I don't think it's okay that the Finding Kendrick Johnson documentary put the weight on it that they did. But I also don't believe that they fabricated the information. And I would really love to talk to Jason about this, but as I sit here now, I just don't believe it was fabricated. And I really just believe that Sheriff Polk is refusing to acknowledge it. And, and maybe because he knows for a fact that Kendrick Johnson died of an accident, and he knows there's no way it was murder, so he can make those broad statements. But when you make those broad statements and then you can't back them up with facts, when somebody comes with very credible evidence to the contrary, that's really upsetting to me because at least Sheriff Polk should be saying we do have this image of the two of them together, but I I'm not seeing the significance of it. Rather than saying that doesn't exist when we can see it with our own eyes. We know the fact that it exists. It's it's not something that doesn't exist in this world. I think it is unfair not to look at every single piece of evidence when Sheriff Polk is the one who reopened this case and he promised not only the community and the Johnson family that he would take a look at every single piece of evidence that came in the door. I'm not sure this is a significant piece of evidence, but the fact that Sheriff Polk won't even look at it is what really concerns me here. Okay, so the documentary puts up these two images from the surveillance tapes and they juxtapose them. So it's Brian Bell's movements throughout the day mixed with Kendrick Johnson's movements throughout the day. And the FBI must have laid it out pretty well so you could kind of see where each one was at different points in the day. So you could kind of get a feel if there was any chance that they had interacted and if so, what that interaction might've been. One of the first images you see is the one of Brian Bell and KJ in the same shot together, according to the documentary. As you can see, they're a couple feet apart and they don't seem to be interacting. When it gets really interesting is when you go further down the list. So one thing I just wanna point out here is there were three sets of cameras and they were each on different servers. So there's three servers here. So three servers with three different makeups of cameras. Now, each one of those servers, unfortunately, was set to a different time, give or take a few minutes, and the FBI went through and lined up all those times, and they were able to do that because they would see, you know, a kid walk from one room into the other set of cameras, but they could time that out. So the FBI supposedly lined those cameras up so you could see the movements throughout the day. When they do this, though, Everyone kind of seems to agree that the last camera shot of Kendrick Johnson is at 1.27 p.m. When he walks across that gym, it's the final shot that we see of him. And the crazy thing about that is, when you look at Jason Pollock's, the graphics he put up, we see a shot of Brian Bell at 1.22, and he's standing outside. And then it jumps to 1.28, where he's walking down another corridor it looks like. I've been speaking to our anonymous source and that person claims that from where Brian Bell is standing in this image, it takes about four minutes to walk to where he comes up to in this image. So it doesn't appear that Brian in these surveillance tapes is running, he's frantic, he's trying to get blood off his shirt. I'm not sure what you would look like after you just killed someone either, but is what I'm saying is he doesn't look frantic or uncomposed. It just looks like he's walking to class kind of normally at a kind of slow pace. Also, when you look at Kendrick Johnson, the shot right before he enters that gym is shot at 1.26 and 32 seconds. So we have basically Kendrick Johnson walking into the gym and two minutes later, the surveillance picks up on Brian walking and another spot in the school. Now, you have to believe, if you believe that these images are correct and that the FBI put them up correctly and the film is using them correctly, that Brian and KJ are nowhere near each other in these images. There's no images of them together. You can clearly see Brian's movements. So if you have this evidence, and you're believing the surveillance tape is accurate and you're able to follow it to the extent that the FBI has, why would you ever have considered Brian a suspect? This is really concerning. I mean, obviously I wanna see the surveillance tape for myself because if these kids have obviously always been on camera showing that they had no link to the murder of Kendrick Johnson, then why are we continuing to point fingers at them? If this information isn't accurate, then not only did the FBI use it, but then the film Finding Kendrick Johnson put it up. That seems really risky that a documentary that seems to be falling on the side that Kendrick Johnson was murdered is not even willing to look at their own graphics that they put up that clearly show that Brian was not in the same spot that KJ was during the time that he disappeared that day. So, yes. I think is what the Finding Kendrick Johnson documentary proved is that KJ and Brian Bell went to school together. Is what they failed to prove though is that Brian was anywhere near KJ at the time of his death. Now, I am not exonerating Brian Bell because I personally have not seen the surveillance tape. I just think it's really strange that the one film, the one piece of media out there that is really supporting this idea that Kendrick Johnson was murdered, happens to put up a graphic that clearly shows that he wasn't murdered by the people that that documentary seems to kind of be pointing a finger at, even if they're saying it's allegedly. When speaking with Sheriff Polk, I ask, So many people say the Bell Brothers and use that name over and over again. Did they provide any new evidence that led you to think there was ever anything with those guys?
0: Well, I characterized it as a witch hunt, and the point on with the FBI said there was nothing there. It became a witch hunt. They were just out to frame somebody, in my opinion.
2: Ashes to Ash is created by Ash Patino, associate producer Kay Giordano, crew Nick Goncalves, title music Bones by A. Graves, Web design for Ashes Dash TV was done by Second Melody, secondmelody.com. Subscribe on the website for commercial-free content, early access to episodes, uncut interviews, and discounted merchandise. Just go to ashes-tv.com. ashestoasht TV.com. To check us out on Facebook, please follow us at Ashes to True Crime or on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at ashes-tv. If you have a tip, please email us at Ashland57 at gmail.com, A-S-H-L-A-N-D57 at gmail.com. We can keep you anonymous.
1: Be my